This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening from Teachers Talk Radio, and welcome to The Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on this Monday evening. Tonight, we are talking all things mini whiteboards. Good, bad, sad, or mad, a brilliant innovation, or a silly fad. We'll discuss it all with Alice Griffith and Chris Prescott. And as always on Teachers Talk Radio, you can text in, you can call in, because we are live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Well, uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Teachers Talk Radio Late Show with me, Tom Rogers. It is a delight that you would choose to spend some of your Monday evening uh, with me, talking all things mini whiteboards. You may be listening back to this as a podcast, in which case, also, welcome to you. Um, why have I chosen the topic of mini whiteboards this evening? Well, I it's kicked off a little bit, I guess, on the world of Twitter. There's been people discussing the pros and cons of mini whiteboards, the good, the bad. Uh, and, and, you know, and some people have said, well, you know what? Mini whiteboards have been around for, for many, many years. And they have, in my opinion, they have. I mean, I was using them at the start of my career. We're going back now to 2007, 2008. You know, I was using whiteboards quite a bit in that period. So I think they've been around. I think the issue is there's a bit of a divide between people who think they are uh, absolutely intrinsic in terms of teaching and learning. You know, they they enhance teaching and learning to such an extent that everyone should have a pile of mini whiteboards, you know. And um, I think there's that, that movement there. But also, I think on the flip side to that, there's also quite a, a number of people who are saying, you know, they are just a fad. They don't actually make a difference to uh, teaching and learning enough to warrant the faff and and other things associated with them. For a little bit of background, um, just before we do anything, I was doing a little bit of show research earlier, and I was reading some um, some info about mini whiteboards. And Harris Federation published some guidance on them, and and they said the different ways of using mini whiteboards in class: questions about vocabulary or grammar, uh, drawing graphs solving maths problems, preparing outlines, drawing circuit or experiment diagrams, developing solution strategies, draw the sequence of, and then all the students draw the sequence on their whiteboards, write a definition of, and then they show the teacher. So write a definition of a particular word, and then everyone holds it up. True or false, they write true or they write false on their whiteboard and hold them up, and then the teacher can see. Um, think, bear, share. I mean, the list goes on. They've written a whole ton of things here about how they can be used um, effectively. I mean, interestingly enough, I've I've even used mini whiteboards in my classroom for... Um, people have said, well, how do you correct spellings? Well, you can still correct spellings on mini whiteboards. I mean, obviously, you have to tell them to write quite big on them to be able to do that. And it depends what you're actually... If it's one or two words or, or apparent, you know, sentences, it gets more difficult. But if it's just a word or two then it is possible actually to correct um, SPAG uh, with students using whiteboards. So I've actually got two um, guests tonight 
on the show. Uh, I've got Alice Griffith, who I think has called in already and is currently muted. So I'll unmute her imminently. Um, and also Christopher Cres- uh, Prescott. So uh, Christopher, if you want to call in again, because I don't think your call uh, came through to me earlier on. So um, two guests. We'll just see if Alice is there first. Alice, are you there? Are you with me? I am, yeah. I am. I don't know why my name isn't displayed, though. Sorry, that's me being that's a newbie. That's not really a problem because anybody listening to this isn't going to be looking to see that your name is Bas Ramafuga. I don't um, even know where that's come from. <laughs> we don't. We don't mind. That's absolutely fine. Alice, do you want to? I mean, I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. But obviously, um, you're going to be talking from very much from the stance of you believe white uh, mini whiteboards are are a great thing and and uh, an essential part of your practice. Um, and I believe you teach science, is that correct? Yes, correct, yep, and that, that is my belief, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Chris is going to, if he does call in, is going to probably share a, a different view to that. Um, so let's start. I'll, I'll start by asking you, if you just want to give everybody a little brief introduction of you, your career path up to this date, you know, what, 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 where, you, where you're at in that sense. Yeah, oh, that was an interesting noise. Was that a cue up to your, to you talking about your career? <laughs> this that was new scientists trying to update me on the latest developments. Actually, I oh, know. Um, <clears throat> um, so yeah, I'm currently head of science. I have been since September. Um, before that, I was lead practitioner. Um, before that, seconded science and um, was responsible for NQT and new staff induction. Um, I've been teaching for nine years now and just really interested in in getting better in my teaching practice as well as a leader um, and really interested in cognitive science and all the research it's, that's um, going on at the moment. I think it's a, it's a fantastic time to be a teacher. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think? I mean, what what are the elements of cognitive science that have that have kind of spoken to you or inspired you as a teacher? To be honest, it's the it's the things that we always have done are an integral part of our practice, but just making that more concrete that and everyone realizing and accepting that that is just part and parcel of good teaching so mm. retrieval um and the the focus on that because that's gonna that will not have a negative impact that will only have a no. positive impact so mm-hmm. it's great that the focus is 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 on that it's good that we're now um we are appreciating that differentiating in the old sense of the word where it was differentiating by um, resources and outcomes and and things mm. like that mm. didn't necessarily get um, the the output that was wanted and was high on teacher workload. Um, so there's better ways to do that. I like that we're coming around to the idea of that more. Um, so I think yeah, I think everything's just moving in into the right direction. With you know, teacher talk isn't a bad thing anymore, whereas it used to be, you know talk for 20% of the lesson they do for 80% of the lesson and we know it doesn't doesn't always work that way yeah yeah I mean there's been a lot of I mean and for example like the intrinsic I guess one of those as well would be 
kind of the intrinsic importance of of good explanations and and how to structure explanations as well and some of the fundamentals that have maybe been overlooked or not appreciated as you know um ahead of other things so that that I, i hear i hear what you're saying i mean there are of course those that would say that this is nothing new and that actually a lot of this has, has always been done and, and it's always been developed and it's always been taught through teacher training providers and all the rest of it. I mean, what would you say to them? Is, it, is, it, is that something you can understand that argument or, or not? Um, yes, I believe it has always done by good pr- practitioners, but I disagree that um, it has always been delivered by um, teacher training providers I can only speak from my experience and the experience of um, trainees and NQTs that I've worked with. Um, but the focus um, has not been on this. It's not been a, been on what we teach and how we teach it. It's um, task choice and, um, you know, behaviour management strategies, which are all very, very important and very, very important at the start of a, a teaching career. Um, but that narrative of, of you know, what you identify is the knowledge and, where, and, and, you know, who decides what knowledge is important, how you identify, how you are going to disseminate that knowledge to a novice. I don't feel that the, the focus is on that, no, in teacher training providing providers. That's interesting. I mean, do you think that's more a case of the time they have or the focus that they put into place as providers in terms of that? I mean, do you think that's a, you know, I mean, why do you think that, I suppose, is what I'm asking? Why do you think they're doing not doing that? I just feel that, well, in the last couple of years, it is definitely, you know, coming round to everyone is agreeing that, you know, cognitive science is, is the way forward. Um, I, I do believe we are, teacher training is moving in the right direction. Um, but I, in my teaching practice, you know, the sessions that, that were delivered in my training year, then I would be in schools and the teachers in schools who had more experience were then disagreeing you know, with, you know, Kagan and other um, theories like that that were around at the time. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just a case of the opinion of the people providing the teacher training and yeah. what they think is important. And Yeah. You know, I the- mean, what, what we're going to be doing today, hopefully, is discussing... We're going to get into mini whiteboards in a minute, but just before we do that, um, I wondered whether you could tell people about the context you teach in, just just briefly. Yeah, of course. Um, so I teach in a, a state-funded secondary school. Um, it's a faith school, so our catchment area is quite wide, although we are situated in a more affluent area of Greater Manchester. Yeah. Um, our, uh, yeah, um, our pupils come from a variety of different socioeconomic backgrounds due to it being a, a Catholic school. And you teach, I mean, is there a particular area of science that you teach more than the other two? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a chemist, um, but 
unfortunately, and you know, you'll hear this rhetoric so so many times, there is a lack of chemists and physicists teachers. We are two-thirds biology teachers in our department, in a department mm. of 15. Mm. We're a large school. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, that leads to people teaching out of their specialism. Um, yeah. And that's not great for, for workload, for the you know delivery of the best science to, to students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, interestingly, we're going to get onto this in, in a minute, but um, just before we, we come on to, to mini whiteboards, um, Chris, are you there? Because I think you're connected now. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you today? Yeah. Yeah. Not bad yourself. Yes. Not too bad at all. And um, uh, thank you for joining us uh, live on TTR. That's much appreciated. Um, can, can I just ask you to do a, a really quick introduction for yourself as well? Because you, you're going to be on the kind of, I'm, I don't want to pigeonhole you here, no. Chris, but you are certainly on the anti-mini whiteboard side of things, really, aren't you, I think? Yeah, I, yeah. so I'm very much on the anti side of things. But um, so my context is I'm a primary school teacher, but I teach in a um, independent school up in the Midlands. So we go up to year six. So I'm a year three teacher at the moment. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to be like a teacher now and remind you both to sit perfectly still. Um, because otherwise we're going to hear everything that's going on in the neighbourhood. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to hopefully discuss it. And, Chris, you're going to get hopefully into um, the reasons why you don't think mini whiteboards are the answer or one of the answers. And then um, Alice is hopefully going to argue uh, maybe for the opposite of that. Um, what we're going to do now, we're going to very quickly go to the news. Uh, when we come back from the news, I'm going to be asking you, what your thoughts on mini whiteboards are. Okay, so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. 
www.thepodcastmedia.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Young Enterprise Scotland started out in 1992 and supports around 16,000 young people from all backgrounds each year to develop their business knowledge, entrepreneurial skills and become more employable. It is hoping to grow its hashtag female boss programme through schools targeting young women in S34 and ahead of course choice in S5. Liz Wardlow College Delivery Manager for Youth Enterprise Scotland said, Our aim is to inspire, empower and support young women from a younger age to develop themselves through enterprise. This will include supporting them in developing their leadership skills, their entrepreneurial spirit and focus on developing confidence from within, touching on self-esteem and resilience building. By targeting S34, this would hit more pupils and also help them in the course choices for S5. It also creates a structured ladder of enterprise into a Young Enterprise Scotland company programme, an accredited qualification recognised by UCAS, which they can participate in in S5-6. Ultimately, it will give more young women the opportunity to develop themselves through enterprise and potentially become successful businesswomen and leaders. As part of the Pennine Lancashire Treescapes project, children attending St John with St Michael Church of England Primary School in Shawforth, Rochdale, have planted 112 trees on their school site. Each tree has been registered with the Queen's Green Canopy project. Head teacher Stephen Rooney said, Teaching our children about the environment, and most importantly how to protect it, is now the most crucial area of learning within our geography curriculum. After all, it is our children who will develop the innovative solutions to tackle climate change in the future. Therefore, it is our duty as teachers to plant the seeds of curiosity and ambition for our children to take forward for the rest of their lives. I'm delighted that our school is taking part in the tree planting campaign and registering all 112 trees with the Queen's Green Canopy is just wonderful. The children had a fantastic day learning lots of new skills and it was wonderful to see them helping and supporting each other. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. 
with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching, Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, it's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it'll embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everybody. If you're just joining us, we are live on The Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio this Monday evening with me, Tom Rogers, and I am joined by Ellis Griffith and Christopher Prescott as we discuss mini whiteboards, hell or heaven, a fad or a fantastic piece of practice that's essential to any classroom across this country. Get involved in the conversation, texting, calling, and as always, we're live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Right, uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, thank you, as always, to Gail and to Steve for the news, which is, as always, incredibly informative. And I always learn something, especially from his his two minute tech. Um, Alice, are you still with us? I am. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask you now to tell me your favourite strategies in detail. Uh, that you use your mini whiteboard to to do in the classroom? What do you use them for? Give me some examples. Um, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit, start off with, with why, why I prefer questioning with mini whiteboards rather than just cold call. Yeah. Is because it increases the participation. It reduces any passive learners, everyone has to be engaged. There's no nowhere to hide. So anything that I would cold call for, I would prefer to use mini whiteboards. Hmm. So first I will use them at the start of a lesson to assess that prerequisite knowledge. So if I'm teaching a lesson on um, diffusion, um, 
of cells that I want to check that they actually recall the definition of diffusion. I want to check if they can identify higher concentrations or lower concentrations. That is all prerequisite knowledge that I assume is in place so that I can attach new learning to that. So I will question that at the start of the lesson. And the easiest way to know where everyone is at is mini whiteboards. And then from that, I get a very clear indication of whether that's everyone is mostly on board and we can start to build that knowledge further or I can't start what I wanted to start immediately in that lesson and I need to go back and do a bit of retrieval with that. Just to, just to cut in there, so in the classroom, every student has one of these mini whiteboards. And just in case anyone's listening that, that maybe isn't familiar with this, maybe you're thinking of going into teaching or you, you've not seen a mini whiteboard. Essentially, it's a small whiteboard that every student has in the class. So say you've got 25 kids in there, 30 kids in there. Each child would have a mini whiteboard and a mini whiteboard pen. And potentially, a, if, if you live in luxury, you might have a winnie, mini, winnie, mini whiteboard eraser with it maybe it would be a mickey mouse and winnie uh, <laughs> mini whiteboard eraser which would be really limited edition but certainly everyone would be able to wipe the whiteboard now just in your example alice that you gave there um would they be actually writing an answer on the whiteboard or would they just be writing a, a kind of a tick or a cross kind of thing or is that variable depending on the task that's variable dependent on the task um but the benefit of having mini whiteboards over, you know, hands up, hands down, show me one finger, two finger, three finger, four finger, is that you're... a lot of showing one finger in my classroom. Yeah. I've struggled with since Maybe the two. start of my career. Yeah, <laughs> or two, yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- is you allow them the articulation of their answer. You're not leading them down the path of, of choosing an answer without a gauge of their understanding they are just eliminating more wrong answers, but do they actually fully understand why that's the right answer? Um, and I, I, and I, I do agree that if you are cold calling, of course you can say, can you justify your answer and can you build on that answer? Um, but what if you've what if you've cold called a student who gave you the right answer? Yeah. Okay. I mean, why did you pick that? So, um, but go, go back to sorry, what what you wanted to talk about in terms of the logistics of this. I know that people are hesitant to use mini whiteboards mm. because they th- because of the faff factor. I think it's a big faff, and yeah. they don't understand the the benefit of them over normal forms of questioning that don't require extra resources because they don't require any faff. And I think it's it's solely about your routines. So it's not like every child comes with their own mini whiteboard and pens. They are, they are in my classroom. I still need to give them out. But it's just creating those routines in your classroom. So but what would you say? Because, I mean, I came across you on Twitter because you were having a bit of a, a shindig there with Carl <laughs> Graham, who's, who's um, is, uh, is a great guy. But obviously he has his opinions, and his opinion is... I think they're just, this is reading from Kyle, I think they're just a faff. Nothing against them per se, but I don't use them because there's nothing from them I can't do with circulation and questioning. Um, 
What would you say to that? I disagree that there's nothing from them that you... Oh, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Yes, anything that you could do with them, you could do with questioning and circulation, but not as efficiently. You can't get the same information about a whole class via, um, you know, questioning and circulation Why not? in that short sp- space of time and that the time that, you know, the pace of your lesson, that's what's important in that short space of time. You might have set um, mm. pupils off on a task, you're circulating yeah. and you're realising, oh, hang on, you know, it's taking you, you know, four minutes to get round everyone because they're asking you for help and, and whatever, but you're, you're thinking, oh, hang on, not everyone's getting this here. I need to bring this back. But if you were to do, you know, an example question, you model example mm-hmm. question on whiteboards, right? I know that 95% of you are ready for independent practice mm-hmm. and I can see who I'm going to go to first. I know who I need to target for more Again, support. though, we've got another comment here from Mrs. K. Riddell. He says, I mean, you're talking about the saving in time there. And I'm going to bring Chris in a minute for his kind of take on this, but... Um, but there's another comment here from Mrs. K. Riddell who says, I find them a faff too, if I'm honest. It's something else to hand out or collect in during a 48-minute lesson. Um, in a digital school, I like to use apps like Socrative or Google Forms um, for quick tasks and responses from all, although, you know, obviously a lot of schools aren't digital schools, so they wouldn't have laptops or devices and yeah. so on. Um, but my point is, is this, is that when you're handing them out and making sure everyone's got a pen that works and making sure that everyone's got a duster and making sure that they're not drawing willies on them and so on does that then actually negate any time saved during tasks um maybe and whilst you're finding your routine with them Hmm. and being a bit experienced in their use of them that may be the case but you get to the point where you know as they're coming in sitting down i i have a middle row my pupils sit in rows there's a there's a corridor almost you know down the rows that I can walk through and I do as I walk it down four on the end of that bench 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 the whiteboards though if I'm in the same room all day will stay out all day and it's the pens that I'll collect in so I will give the pens out at the start of the lesson exactly like that four on that bench four on that bench yeah. Whilst I'm, I want them to use the pens, the pens are out. When I want them to work independently in the books or I want to reduce the time spent drawing willies, as you said, then all I need to do is walk well, down my row. it's a science lesson, so you shouldn't and, reduce well, it that much. Yeah, no, that's anatomically okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all I need to do then is just walk down the row, pick up the pen, as I go around and that takes me 30 seconds and then 10 minutes later, I might give the pen out again, but honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't take me any time in that lesson at all. But whilst the pen is in front of them, they can't, they can't do anything that they shouldn't be doing with it. Yeah. Let's bring, let's bring, I'll come on to Mr. Day's text in. Mr. Day is texting and he said, it's like anything hand out in batches to the front rows, always hand the pens out last. Correct. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Always on the phone. Right, Chris. Chris, are you there? Chris. We can't hear you, Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. 
Chris, you there? We can't hear you. He's gone. There we go. Um, Alice, come okay, back. Come I'm back. back. Come back. Um, right. So, I, I mean, this whole thing about um, uh, handing the pens out, is that something, I mean, why hand them out last? I know that's probably an obvious question. Why hand the pens out last so they can't be silly on them? Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, the, the kids, and you are giving them that, that tiny bit to, of temptation. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like you would limit any time off task. Yeah. You, you would um, in your transitions between one activity and another activity and one bit of content and another bit of content, you do yeah. limit that time. So you would limit the time available to be off task with a yeah. whiteboard pen. Okay, fair enough. Um, Chris, uh, welcome. Hello. Hope, can you... Hello. Hello. Yes, we can hear you now. Um, do you want to kind of just reintroduce yourself again uh, to everyone? Yeah, so I'm um, Chris, so I'm a um, primary school teacher up in the Midlands for an independent school. And um, I, I actually do agree with some of what the other caller is saying about, you know, there is a um, need for writing down different things with whiteboards and whiteboard pens. But actually, I'm quite against the idea of using whiteboards. From a primary school perspective, uh, whiteboards are often far too small. So when you're coming to do any sort of meaningful work, when it comes to do anything writing down, it becomes incredibly messy. And my big thing to do with my school is I, I tend to just tell them to write on the desk. Because most desks, I mean, are, are either, you know, got some sort of stuff on top. That doesn't mean it stains the desk. It does mean you can have larger collaborative groups doing different things when it comes to doing work. And quite frankly, when you want to finish the end of the lesson, all you have to do is go down with a bit of spray, they wipe it clean and it's ready to go within about two seconds. So you're not having to worry about getting the whiteboards in. But all you have to do, some... yeah. That, just to Sorry. play devil's advocate there. It, but that presumably though, you wouldn't be able to see what's on every desk to kind of instantly assess, which I suppose is one of the key benefits of the mini whiteboards. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, what you do, it depends with uh, if you're doing a group activity, I mean, you're basically floating at that point, going around to different groups, finding out what they're doing. And that's how you're doing oh, no, but the I, assessment. I mean, as a whole class, I mean, if you're doing some whole class question and answer, for example, oh. and you're using them in that context, because I think that's that's where Alice and, and a lot of teacher, teachers use them the most is in that context. But I don't know whether you don't use them in that context, but you use them as in in you know use that kind of stuff in groups i tend to not use them as that kind of context i mean if we're doing any sort of if i get trying to assess the children um we the children because we're quite fortunate we have um we can take photos from ipads we use kind of digital yeah. stuff if yeah. i like you said before you can use uh what was it uh difference different there's lots of different websites you know even um sorry i'm losing i'm trying to think what they're called now but you know you've got lots of different websites and different apps we use that assess yeah. the children's understanding almost instantaneously. Although it depends, completely depends on the activity you're doing because sometimes that does take a long time and actually sometimes whiteboards are a quicker way of doing it. It depends how trained your children are. But when it comes to things like whiteboards, the biggest pain is not, we don't have the problem of drawing willies as such because obviously they're primary school age, but ours is more, they're just, they're not focused because they're, engaged with kind of 
just doodling anything they want. <laughs> so they see it as like, oh, this is my doodle mat. And actually, from a primary school perspective, that becomes a bit of a problematic because they're not they You've given them something to kind of fiddle with when you're not giving them something to focus on. So when I say like, okay, we'll do these mini bike or work style stuff, I like to use a bigger canvas because actually it gets them a bit more engaged because they're having to do something that's a bit strange. So it's not yeah. on something quite small. It's on a larger scale. And actually they quite enjoy that. So it's kind of that little hook to go, oh, I get to draw on the desk. Okay. Yeah, I've, go got to, I've got to be I've got to be honest, Chris, in the context I've taught in, I think if I said draw on the desks, I think it would turn into <laughs> it would turn into something out of I'm trying to think of the example I'm looking for here. It would be like sixteen year olds playing with play doh, probably. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Alice, what's your what's your take on this? Have you I mean, do you think that this is a I mean, we have there have been comments actually on Twitter when we were when I was talking about this, about the eco uh, kind of uh, credentials and issues here about uh, mini whiteboards and saying that many people have said, well, shouldn't we be using pens and, and bits of paper uh, instead of the mini whiteboards? Because to save the ink and the plastic in the ink and so and the plastic in the pens and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do you think there's any credit in that? And what do you think about what Chris has said there, Alice, in general? Uh, I, th- I think it's dependent be, be nice, on... Alice, be nice. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> I think it's dependent on on your context, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's there's a divide here between, uh, you know, primary, younger yeah. pupils and secondary pupils. It's yeah. it probably a, a a subject and a content issue as well. You know, in science, it's 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 a drill of facts. It's what can you remember? It's what do you know, no, 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 no. So now you can do, 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 do. And oh, it's no, less... no, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. carry on. Um, so, yeah, and the, you know, the, the, Chris offered some, some other solutions there, like writing on the, on the boards or some interactive based um, alternatives. Um, and if you are a more tech friendly school, then, then you know that's absolutely fine. So, is it a whiteboards or no whiteboards, or are we just talking about the the intent of what the whiteboards for? And mm-hmm. would people use, you know, online whiteboards and things like that? Do people do those sort of whole class feedback um, techniques? And. Hmm. Or do or do they not? Do they just rely on questioning? I think that's that's I mean, can also you give a us, thing. Can Can you give us another example of a of a of a strategy you might? I mean, I know you did before anyway, but maybe there's there's something else you've used them for. Maybe another example you can give us in a lesson of of how you've used them and you think has been really really, you know, because I've used them and I've I've I'm a big fan of them. I've I've used them. I actually bought a set in my last school myself. Because I thought, you know what, they don't have them, so I'm just going to buy them. And the reason I did that, it did mean I had to lug them round because of the the COVID regs. It meant that I was going class to class with these whiteboards in the trolley, which made it a bit of a, as we've said, a bit of a faff and a bit of a hassle. But fundamentally, when I was using them, it was very, very good. If you've got your own classroom, I think it's much easier because they can just yeah. sit on tables, can't they? And then the next class comes in and the whiteboard's there with the pen and so on. I mean, I've been in that situation. That obviously makes it a lot easier. But the things I've used them for are things like, you know, true or false. They write, you know, T or F. 
um, quizzing when it comes to short answer quizzing um, uh, definitions, um, you know, in history. So getting them to, to write the correct definition for a word or reading the definition and getting them to write the word. And then holding that up to see. And, you know, I have heard that thing of, oh, you can't check spelling. But I think you can. It depends how much they're writing on the board. I mean, I tend to have quite a quick scan. And I can do tend to be able to pick up on those spelling mistakes and and, and that of that nature when it's one or two word answers. I think that's relatively easy to do. Um, And you can just kind of go around and say, yep, that's correct. But you spelled it wrong. And then move on i do think there is that nice instant nature with mini whiteboards and i do like them and, and the students like them you know and i, I saw something on twitter of people saying well it, it works with the younger students but not with the older students but actually for me it does the, the older students actually like them i've used them with six formers and it's worked well with six form yeah you know so they do they don't mind using them i think they're, they're a really good tool um but i do get again it's contextual in terms of when you might use them how you might use them one thing that did come up and i'd like to ask chris about this as well but i'll ask you first ellis is and you're a head of department so what about budget because i bought my own lot and of course then you end up with pens going missing boards being graffitied on ink staying on the boards i mean how how do you manage that i mean is it a budget strain um well, obviously, yes, we do have to allocate. The, we, we have to allocate the budget initially, as you would with anything. And it takes a maintenance budget. You do have to replace the pens. You, you know, a few boards may need replacing. But I think if you are controlling their use, as in, you know, they are only able to be used. They have pen and and pen and board with them able to be used when you want them to be used yeah and you know you're you're really you're really crisp and prompt with that um i think someone said it before um mr day maths that three two one and you're front loading that means a participation you say i'm going to ask you a question i'm going to give you three seconds thinking then you write the answer down you don't show it until i get to one and you go, everyone show me. All right, okay, board's down. And it's it, it doesn't give them any time really to be off task. It yeah. doesn't give them any time to be, you know, wasting the ink and trying to co- colour in their whole board in black and things like that. You just, as with anything, you would limit off, off task yeah. time. Yeah. So to limit off task behaviour, I think it's just the same for whiteboards. Yeah. Chris, you've been talking about how you use, you know, and I, I do get, what you're saying i suppose can you give us an example in a bit more detail of a task that you might actually do that with can you give us an example from your classroom i know you teach in a primary context you you teach younger learners but can you give us a an example of how you've used it well how have you used whiteboards not whiteboards but i mean you've you've said that you don't use whiteboards you've said that you use the desks instead so i'm i'm saying can you give us an example of a task or something you've done with that so it could be anything from, um, so we've used it a lot with fraction work. So I've got objects all out all over the table and yeah. essentially they had to reorder the fractions into a certain order because then we had to come up with a class rule based on that fraction work. Yeah. So the idea, yeah. especially with the primary perspective, it's very difficult to try and get kind of a um, practical element. You want to you do as much practical stuff as you can, especially when it comes to mass concepts that are new. And 
you want them also to kind of visual, visualize it and use prior learning as well when you're using your activities. So we, we, you know, we, that's what we did. We observed, did that last week. So we just reordered some fractions, looked at the denominator numerator. And then from there, they can visually see there's a picture. There's my fraction. Oh, I can see what's changed in the number. Problem is you can't exactly do that with a mini whiteboard just because it's so small. So you want um, a bigger Alice, space what, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, Alice, I know that the Harris Federation in their blog, they did mention diagrams. I mean, surely Chris has got a valid point there with regards to, I mean, you do must do stuff like that in science. I mean, do you manage to do that with the whiteboards or do you not bother using the whiteboards for that? No, we do all the time. And to be honest, I, I, I never feel that the boards are too small. Um, don't know whether maybe my classroom is not as big as yours and they're not as far back but no it, I, I never feel like that's an issue and you know we go so far as to do a multi-step calculations all on one board I, I give them you know enough time to do it they hold it up and I can identify from looking at their boards exactly what step they are dropping the marks on that they haven't included a conversion they've rounded up and knocked down they've rounded too early and I can see that all from 30 boards in front of me whereas if I was to do that with circulation that's yeah. me walking up and down reading over people's sh shoulders can I just add to that because actually that's a very good point when it comes to things like spelling so most of my experience it's basically been from EYFS all the way to year three and sometimes those like mini whiteboard aspects is when you're looking at sounds in particular from a primary school age. So you can visually see quickly if they're using the sounds correctly or they're reversing the sounds. And that's where they're appropriate. However, where it becomes a little bit problematic is when we talked about before about resources and budgeting. Um, the, the biggest problem with mini whiteboards isn't actually the whiteboards themselves. It's the pens and the rubbers. Because that's, you have like, I've got a stack in my classroom, mini whiteboards, but we run out of pens, like no tomorrow, they just don't last. So while I do them on the desk and stuff, that limits it somewhat because actually they can't doodle as much because it's very easy to see what they're doing because they're doing on a big space. But the pens and the rubbers are the one that costs the most. And actually they, we replace them more so than we do mini whiteboards. And I then question, am I really, is that budget efficient? Or could I use other things as well to help us kind of engage the children? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. As I said, there is a maintenance budget in terms of, to, to be fair for us, it's it's just the whiteboard pens. The whiteboards seem to, um, you know, they've got quite good longevity. We don't need to replace them year on year. And we've actually what got about the, what really... What about the pens, Ellis, though? What about the pens? Because I always find the pens... Uh, it depends on the quality you get, I suppose. Ones I've had have just either been crushed or died. Or rubbish. A lot. Um... <laughs> Chris is... Oh, yeah. oh like, we've had we, so we many it. rubbish pens. It's just ridiculous. You try and find, you go through Espe, you go through, you go all sorts of places. And it depends on, you know, year on year, the quality just changes all the time. So you have to find the specific brand. This year, I found a perfect pen that works. They last so long. But in previous years, I've had pens that barely last a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, that's it. We've, we've have spent that time trial and error. You know, every teacher starts with, 50 whiteboard pens they last a year and that's yeah. 
That's what we. That's what we do. I our think te- you know what I think it is, Ellis. I Go think on. you're much better than me at organising. I think you'll be much better at me at going counting them out, taking them back in. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, was, I was just here's a box. Throw the pen in. I'm terrible. I'm a, I'm an eco destroyer rather than an eco school. <laughs> honestly, terrible. Um, but part of that is the rush. I guess I just feel very rushed, and I I don't have time to kind of organize the mini whiteboards distribution and collection the way I would probably like to as as I said um previously so as you're getting towards the end of the lesson when they are working independently they're in the books they're on their um you know they're on worksheets they're not they're not working on the whiteboards anymore they've Mm -hmm. used it to plan answers you know that's been and gone they've used it for for drilling for for low stakes quizzing that's been and gone so whilst i am then circulating you know doing live marking to um helping students whilst i'm circulating all i do is i just pick the pen up off their desk so by the end of the lesson i've already collected them all in and it hasn't took him taking me any more time it's interesting alice i'm going to come back to this as well but you you mentioned every teacher gets the 50 uh whiteboard pens and presumably they get a set of whiteboards as well would that be right to go with it Correct, yes, but yeah, we don't do. replace right. them year on year. No, 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 obviously. So, Chris, what about you in your school? I mean, do, do teachers, is there any mention of mini whiteboards as a whole school or is that kind of just something that's down to the teacher or, you know? It's down to the year group, really. So as a year right. group, you can decide, you know, what resources you want and, you know, you can kind of budget it that way. Um, we tend to get whiteboard pens. Uh, obviously, whiteboards they do last. It depends how thick they are. If you get the thick ones, they do last a long time. But um, it's usually pens. But I've already had to replace, I think, uh, like two sets. I think so far. Mm. And it's just from use. And actually, I've come to the realization this year is actually some of the stuff I'm doing is great. But then also, could I not do it like you said before? Can I not do that in a book? And actually, it's only pencils. It's paper. It, it lasts a bit longer. And it's more environmentally friendly as well. I th- I think if if you're not going to use it for that instant feedback, you know, in a, in a, a short space of time, and you're and you're going down the route of yes, writing on tables. I'd argue that if they're writing on tables, they're writing bigger, and that's why the the pens aren't lasting as long. Maybe, um, but if you're going down that route, then yeah, you you would only see that as well. If you were circulating, and if you're circulating, then just look at the books. So, I, I guess I see why they're not. You don't feel like they are integral to your practice. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to just say to from a primary point of view. Yeah, it's just abandon all whiteboards because I mean there are certain different U groups I've been in where, and different circumstances, like you say, they are useful. I just question. Uh, especially when, uh, moving when well, I've moved into year three is actually I don't actually use them as much anymore they're actually stuck at the back of my classroom and I bring out the pens the pens you have to keep when did you so, so on... are you saying you moved up a year or down a year so you... oh I've moved quite a lot so my school I've been in my school for about eight years and I've been EYFS year one year two and year three so you've moved up to year three and you feel uh, so like... Yeah, actually, I moved. I moved from year one down to UIFS, and then moved to year two, and then I've moved up to year three. Yeah. So, so my point I was going to make is that that you feel you've used them less because I would have thought you'd use them more the higher up the, the the age categories you've got at primary level. But 
but surprised yeah, but you use them less. It's more the fact that I've been training because I've had this is the second time I've had this year group. Um, so I've trained my class in particular to be quick with digital ways of doing things. Mm. Or um, the, the biggest problem uh, when it comes to primary, it doesn't matter what age, is because they're so small, you can try and get the children to write small, but they're still learning how to write neatly. Yeah. Because they're still learning, it's not big enough. So occasionally they'll ask yeah. things like spellings or you try and correct yeah. spellings, but it's such a mess. You can't see where the letters start or finish mm. sometimes. And I actually they a... need... Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to agree. Carry on. Finish it. I was going to agree. No, I was just going to say that there's sometimes for primary age children, really, I'm questioning as well, is writing on a whiteboard really going to help their, you know, when they go to secondary school where maybe handwriting isn't seen as a focus, but in primary school it is. You know, do, am I really helping these children learning how to write? Because they're having to do quite some messy work. It's all over the place. You try and write notes, but it kind of, they don't know wh where they're putting them. They're just writing words, whatever they can fit them in. So it can get quite messy and hard to read because they're not forming their letters correctly. Alice, go on. But don't you feel like that, that is their... That's their planning. That's their rehearsal. And then, you know, they use that, that to formulate That wasn't a beer, their... by the way. That wasn't a beer. It was <laughs> On a night. night. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, it, I agree. Is, I, isn't that I, the I formation of their answers? And then they can spend more time thinking about, you know, the, the construction of the words and, and the handwriting well, but, and things when they're getting it into the book. Although, you know, I agree. I mean, you know, when they're trying to formulate ideas, you want the ideas down rather than you want them neatly down. But at the same time, you can do that. We have a scrapbook, actually. We call it a planning book. And I've started to use that more and more. So, you know, things like doing research. We've done a bit about Romans. So do a bit of research about the Romans. That's been purely straight into their planning book and in a, like a uh, spider diagram format because it's the space there to do it. And they can just write down their ideas. It's in note form. Um, but... And then we then start using those um, that, that research when we come to doing our lessons. So actually, I've kind of skipped the need for the whiteboard because it's just in a book and it's then neater and easier to read for them to read back to themselves. But in terms of resources, and you, you know, talked about cost of pens and things, at least, you know, the, the boards will live on to the next year. But the books, the books go when the, when the pupils are done with the year. Oh, no, I agree. Um, absolutely agree with that. Um, but again, pencils are cheaper. Alice, do you think that there is, because I do get the point that Chris was making about the the quality of, if, if for example, a student has significantly low literacy levels of literacy, do you think that, and, and I perhaps question this myself, I haven't had time to question this myself, probably enough as what I should have, but sometimes do you think it promotes almost like a lazy way of writing using the mini? Do you know what I mean? That's something I've questioned. I've said, am I just kind of getting them into the habit of just scrawling stuff rather? I know obviously they're going to have their book work and, you know, you'd expect to see certain standards. But if you're taking a chunk of time on the whiteboards every single lesson, is that almost like, you know, from a literacy point of view, is that is that bad? Um. I see what you're saying that it obviously that there is the time aspect of that, but should they ever be approaching 
written work without having time to plan their answers. Is does that is that the best? Do you get the most impact from that, or is it the best use of their time actually to spend less time scratching their heads when they're meant to be getting an answer down, hmm. or spend that time doing some planning? And that might be a little bit scruffier on a whiteboard, but the point is, is they feel more comfortable. Hmm getting ideas down on a whiteboard, especially, I, I don't know about um, about how they are in young years, but the girls, oh my God, the girls, if their books don't look yeah, perfect. Like, you know, they go as, to far as, as, as so far as to not answer a question because <laughs> they don't want to mark it wrong. Yeah. As, as like, a boy, Alice, this is foreign to me. <laughs> my, 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 you know primary and secondary school books were just terrible you know <laughs> really um yeah I, I take your point now chris any thoughts on that at all i mean i do think um the one thing to be mindful of when it comes to Weibull work now i'm left-handed myself and i always struggled at school when it comes to writing so i was one of those children who you know really struggled with his neatness and presentation i do think especially for a primary age whiteboards become kind of like a especially for the children who are left-handed or struggle with writing their letters it does become a complete and utter mess the sense that they even can't read it because they've smudged it or you get to you want them to go and do an activity i just thought of it just now but sometimes you go right go and show me a whiteboard and they've rubbed it off and it's all gone but would the be chris just to, to kind of yep. come in there is is the bit that i feel isn't necessarily addressed there i guess is like the instant I, I get the use of technology i get that you're using apps and, and various um uh, you know kahoot or whatever it is you i don't know what you're using quizzing tools or tech tools but the whiteboard is easier isn't it there's no login oh. there's no faffing about with an ipad there's no message and and i'm i'm still struggling with how you use it, how you use the strategies that you've said for quick AFL, a, a quick... Oh, no, I understand. If you want something really, really quick, um, I completely understand that, you know, there is that need where, you know, whiteboard is better than using an iPad because, you know, I've said about them drawing on a whiteboard. Well, have you ever given a child an iPad? Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they are finding all sorts of things to go That's on, it. you know, and it's training them to get back onto what you want to do. I mean, the login side of things, again, if you, it depends how tech server your cars are. I mean, you know, QR codes, it takes seconds to log in to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. again, it, it just, it, that aspect, I guess, in the same way you have to do with whiteboards as well, just requires training. And if you train your kids, they become quicker at it and they become more focused at it. So for me, when it comes to like whiteboards, yeah, that quick AFL, yeah, I know what's going on. But I also like to also somehow keep a little record of it as well. I mean, Mr. Days made a point in the text. He's texting and he said, you can't see the workings to questions with apps. And that's an interesting one. I mean, if you're, obviously with history, there'd be less, you know, it'd be more about, I guess, quizzing with whiteboards. But science and maths, like Ellis's subject, is there that element of with a whiteboard you can you you will be able to see some working perhaps well, you absolutely can also, yeah i agree yeah. with that actually yeah because Whereas that that, that is so important because it's not 
it's not entirely about Alex, you haven't answer... paid Mr. Day Maths, have you, for these for these texts? You haven't paid him in advance to come in with not yet. Check his checks in the post. Well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's not necess- they don't there's not necessarily it's not necessarily all about the right or the wrong answer. The wrong answer might be more wrong or less wrong, dependent on whereabouts they've gone wrong. You know, whether it's as I said before, it's an issue with their rounding. They rounded too early, they rounded too late, or they didn't give their answer in two significant figures. Or if it's an early answer where they have substituted incorrectly or they have recalled the question incorrectly and then substituted incorrectly, there's degrees of being wrong. So having an app that we're, that would you know automatically mark a right or a wrong answer doesn't give us enough information in terms of their understanding. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, how when you actually... Could you... Oh, go on, Chris, go on. Sorry, I'm just thinking, because obviously you're for science background, there's lots of math questions in it. Um, And and I guess with that quick AFL kind of style with a whiteboard, you you can ask the children, you know, or the pupil um, how they worked it out. But in some ways as well, there are apps out there that allow verbal feedback to be able to be given and just verbal comments. About explaining, you know, and using the practicing that explanation skills and just uploading their own audio comment, if that makes sense. And yeah, but in that's some not ways, in the moment, is it? That's not in. It, it can be. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. But that. So sure. you know, there are there are things out there that allow children to just quickly add a comment to a little activity to help to help with their explanation yeah. skills. No, um, I get that, but as a whole class in in that moment, they can't all surely be uploading an, a, an audio clip for the teacher to listen to during a lesson i mean we use um seesaw quite a lot at our school and actually yeah. sometimes they can just take a photo of their work and they get a little comment audio yeah. or i mean they can just comment underneath with an audio so we have a little problem they underneath comment and that's yeah. it and then i can just you know anyone feels comfortable we can then share it that way so there are there are things out there but again like you've we've said before it completely depends on the context you're doing and what you're yeah. doing. I mean, that's pretty, much, that's pretty much every single, like, argument in education finishes with that <laughs> sentence. Um, but, but I do think there's a lot, I do think there's a lot to dig into in terms of, you know, I do think there's, I, I agree that there are certain things that are optimum for mini whiteboards. And, and so even though everything is contextual, yes, I'm not convinced that tech can unless you have a very very well set up and well drilled which i'm sure your class is chris by the way situation with the tech and and with ipads and whatever else i i yeah i'm not convinced it can it can be as optimum as as using a class set of mini whiteboards but i'm open to persuasion on that can i come and visit chris and see what you're doing yeah sure why not (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I mean, Ellis, is that not have you have you considered apps or technology in any sense in terms of uh, replacing many whiteboards by using tech? I mean, we were all doing it during remote teaching, weren't we? Yes, you know, Mentimeter. We, that's a good one for that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like um, we we definitely all upskilled ourselves in terms of tech, um, but. In our context, it, it it doesn't work in the classroom. You know, we don't have the resources that um, pupils will all have 
iPads that they use in schools or anything like that. It would just be their phones. Mm. Our school policy is if you see a phone, they lose it for a week. You know, so we wouldn't we wouldn't encourage them to have their phones out. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. we've gone down that that route obviously for safeguarding yeah. issues, and yeah. that makes yeah. that blares the lines too much. So, um, so it would be lo- low tech thing, and in my in my opinion. <laughs> easier to use I, like I, I still write in a in a paper planner and things like that <laughs> like it's not that I'm a, a technophobe I just I feel it saves time yeah you I need mean, the school the, oh, go on, the school's got to be the school's got to be robust in what it's got to be able to use tech properly there's no point I mean it's it's not just the actual devices it's the actual network as well that's got to be so important so if you're ever yeah, thinking about using massive. tech you have to have a really robust network that doesn't crash. And that's so important. So even before you even contemplate using an app, you need to make sure your network is... Do they so... exist, Chris? Networks that don't crash? I mean, our school... Um, I hate to, I'm not slagging crashes... off any IT <laughs> technicians here, but, you know, do they exist? I know, in our well? school, we've had issues before when it crashes. Um, but, you know, we are fortunate that our iPads are... You know, we do have iPads with the children and that does help yeah. us when it comes to education. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when it does crash, you know, you can't well, use it, that app anymore. It's interesting, actually, Chris, because Alice has just mentioned there the kind of, you know, not, not having phones. And, and uh, you know, the vast majority of schools I've worked in have been, um, you know, no phones and certainly kind of not anti-technology, but certainly there the wasn't personal devices. I mean, do you find that the this is more a general question moving away in it from, from many white balls for a minute of the use of technology. Is this a distraction or is this a positive for the students you've got? I mean, do you think it's positive for them to all have iPads? How, how do they handle that? I mean, for us, it's again, it's back to training. So it's teaching the children, mm-hmm. especially the primary age that because an iPad is not um, a toy. And it's really difficult to blur that because obviously that line is blurred because sometimes they might have a device at home mm. that is a toy. Yeah. And that's really challenging. I do know because um, my school, um, so we're a primary school, but we're part of a wider foundation on the same campus. And I know the senior schools had banned phones. phones. Yeah. Um, and I can see the point in that because actually from behavior management purposes, it's, it's amazing because, you know, phones out, they're gone. You know, uh, but I do question there's like that divide because primary schools are going for this tech focused and they're trying to be more technology orientated. But when they go to secondary schools, they're now not allowed to have the phone at all. And I find it very strange. Alice? I understand why. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree that, yeah. That is what's happening. Yeah. And <laughs> they get to their computer science lessons in in secondary and they know so much. They know so much already. They're so, so much more advanced than they have been in the last five, ten years um, in that yeah. respect. But the, the can of worms, it opens them having devices on them and turned on in schools. It's... Know, when they're in the toilets and things like that they're taking photos of each other and sharing them they're taking photos of teachers and they end up on tiktok and we know yeah. know what happened yeah. we do there. know we do know what happened we do there. know don't we? We I've, do. I've been, yeah, I know. i've been there front and center on that one I know. um yeah chris I, it's an interesting one i mean i think that 
it, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with that in the next kind of five, 10 years. I do think there is a tech. A, I mean, maybe there isn't. I, it'd be interesting to do that actually as a poll on Twitter. I might do that in terms of the divide between primary and secondary on use of technology. Yeah, that would be a good one. And, and also, I know, I think you work in an independent school, Chris. Is that right? So there may be a divide yeah, do, there yeah. between in, independent and non independent. I don't know whether oh, there's a divide there on technology as well. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. It's interesting, though, how, you know, um, how some schools seem to embrace it and it works. Other schools, absolutely anti. And that also works. So it's, it, again, maybe it's contextual, but moving forward in 10, 20, 30 years' time, it's going to be interesting to see where we're all at with it. Will the distraction economy have meant that we are even more anti-tech in classrooms than we are now? Or will it have gone the other way where people are like, hang on a minute, we've realised that this is just a necessity and this is the way it's gone, going to have to go. We'll talk about that after the news, Chris. Don't think about it. I can hear you both thinking. Um, we'll come back. It, this isn't the news. This is just the ads. But we'll be back in maybe three or four minutes. And just before we go to the ads, it is worth mentioning that two fantastic companies who sponsor this program. Uh, one is Bulb. And you can get a free Bulb account by going to www.bulbapp.com. And you can grab yourself a free account. Essentially, what it's like is a digital portfolio for teachers where you can share your... Uh, your expertise in a digital portfolio. With the Slack Group are one of the partners of Teachers Talk Radio, and they are a specialist provider of specialist education. So if you're interested in uh, teaching special educational needs, or if you're interested in uh, the subject content around that, um, then definitely check out their website, check out their webinars, and also check out working for them. Because uh, they've got some fantastic job opportunities for teachers currently on their website. And I've uh, spoken to many people from Witherslack Group, and it sounds like an absolutely amazing place to to work. In fact, I did an interview a few weeks back, about three weeks ago on this show, with one of their staff who teaches in a double-decker bus. So if you're interested in teaching in a double-decker bus, um, then then definitely check out Witherslack Group because they... They've got amazing opportunities there for teachers. Anyway, we'll be back. We're going to listen to them. We'll be back in about um, two or three minutes. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. 
With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. And we are back on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much to our show sponsors. I've really enjoyed this chat uh, with Ellis and Chris about mini whiteboards. Um, I'm a big fan of mini whiteboards, but I know when I put a tweet out, uh, which is kind of what inspired this show uh, about them, there was a whole range of responses. And in fact, I'll read you just a few more of these responses now. Uh, Adam Lamb, uh, I'm a big fan of MFL teacher, also a member of the TM MFL icons team. He said, my only issue is, a, is as a budget holder, uh, they do run out quick, especially when students don't put the lids on properly. I always stop and watch them click the lid to make sure it's on properly. If you don't, they can be a big outlay on budget. Uh, Kirsty replied to that with, we asked for whiteboard pens to be added to student equipment lists as lots of subjects using mini whiteboards. All students need to bring their own whiteboard pen and the majority do that's an interesting one isn't it uh the the idea that students bring their own whiteboard pen um also we've got oh go on ellis can't even get them to bring a normal pen well quite um vanessa has replied here uh on fire i like this uh twitter handle is on fire together um don't know about that twitter handle i'm a little bit concerned um but the 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 reply is too much admin um handing them out, getting them back in, board pens that don't work, erasers that smear, penis doodles. Not a fan. Uh, We've got Katie Harrison, uh, Mrs. Harrison 13, says we use them every day. However, they are a real faff. After this thread, I'm considering trialing jotters with my year one class. Well, I'm sorry for inspiring you to do that, Katie, because I like mini whiteboards, so don't don't ditch them. Uh, Emma Moss, uh, who's Miss Moss underscore Moose, Again, another uh, at, which I quite like, the moose, Miss Moss Moose. Uh, I use them a lot for checking understanding for plenaries and quizzes, but realize pretty quickly that many students just look at the ones around them, making them a bit useless. Better for factorizing analysis. Ellis, what about you? Do you find that, that they'll just steal answers off each other? Because I have had that issue. It's just your routine, isn't it? As I said before. Oh, how dare you? Are you saying my routine isn't good? Uh, (laughs) As it ju- not not your personally. <laughs> no, ju- carry that, on. That's the, scouse, is, but... that's the scouse in me coming out. It's just no, duty. No. Um, it's it's that front loading your means of participation. This is what's going to happen. You will have this amount of time. 
I'll say three, two, one, then you hold your boards up. But in my opinion, that's that's the same as um, put your hands up for true or false, and then you hit, you see hands going mm-hmm. up and then hands coming back down, and that's easier for them to see around them. Once their boards up, they can't change their answer. You know, they they might have an influence of those sitting either side, but not a whole class where. Or if you're doing, you know, one, two, three, four fingers up, then that's harder for you to spot fingers going down and coming up. They're changing their answer based. But on if they're writing saying. a word, if they're writing a word though, it's a bit different, isn't it? Like if it's a history quiz or something, and I'm asking them to write a word down, they could see the words potentially or not. Was the same. But- yeah, but they they would see the words of those around them, maybe yeah. that sitting yeah. either side, but they wouldn't see a class full of words, you know, no. because you're only giving them a couple of seconds to write a word, and then it's three, two, one. Okay, hold it up. Yeah, yeah. you know, I th- I think if if you're allowing pupils to raise their boards when they're done, then there's no point in using mini whiteboards. I think that's using what them about, correctly. What about for you? What about the student response, Alice, to mini whiteboards in your classes? Do they like using them? Do they go, yes, we're using the whiteboards, or are they kind of like whatever? I mean, if it's not doing a practical, get the Bunsen burners and blowing anything up, they're never that enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, they 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 do like that. They they enjoy. The low stakes quizzing, they they enjoy the, yeah, the praise I, they I'm get actually. Um, from getting their answer right. They enjoy yeah, the, yeah. oh, some people aren't quite right here. If you've used this word, try and think of using a better word. So we can't use the word amount. Maybe think, is it volume, mass, you know, that you're looking for? And, you know, that is direct feedback, but it's not, um, you know, James, what's your answer? James telling me his answer and then going, hmm, not quite James. And everyone knows he hasn't got the answer right. So they do yeah. enjoy it. I found that. I have found a lot of enjoyment. The students, they really have loved it when we've done, you know, when I've done quizzes with them for, even when it's gone on, you know, 15, 20 minutes, they're so into it. They love doing that. They do like getting that instant feedback. They do like the praise that comes with that. And they do like feeling like they know something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and there is something that the whiteboards, whether it's the public display of it to the teacher in the moment, uh, maybe that's a factor with it, but they do like that sense of I know something and I I have remembered something or I've recalled something and I I'm I'm clever. You know, I think there is an element that the whiteboards do enable that. I'm not saying other things don't, but certainly my experience is the mini whiteboards do do add to that kind of instant uh, communication between student and teacher that uh, is otherwise a bit harder to to achieve uh, in in as quick a way. Uh, but as Chris says, perhaps with technology, there are, there are alternatives if you have the technological know how and and uh, possibilities. There is a way to achieve that without Chris. Oh, as I say, yeah. So when it comes to quizzing, I mean, Kahoot is the lifeblood of my class. Uh, However, you can't exactly adapt it on the fly. So that's where your mini whiteboards come in because you can adapt whatever you're doing on the fly, but you can anticipate what they might want, might, the kind of style of questions you want, but it depends how the lesson's going. I mean, so I'm interested whiteboards... in... Yeah, I'm interested in your use of Kahoot as well, Chris. I wonder whether you can talk us through that. Maybe for someone who doesn't know what Kahoot is, maybe you can tell us what you use it for and how it, you use it. 
I use it just basically for quizzing to find out, you know, to, to kind of um, embed some knowledge, maybe do a summary, so like an assessment towards the end of the lesson just to see what they know. Like so we you mentioned, on, are you on your device though while they're doing it and you're looking at uh, their answers as they come in? I don't know. We do it as a whole class. It adds right. a bit of competitiveness to them. On the because board. The, the, yeah, on the board as a whole class. It's usually towards the end of a lesson. Uh, because that way they, there's a bit more competitive na nature to it because it's about answering the question quickly. Uh, but you have to bear in mind, that you, like, like you talked about before, copying each other. I mean, primary school children, they always love to copy each other, even if they know the answer. They're never quite... <laughs> they always have a look at next door to them and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so with things like Kahoot, and even with a whiteboard, they're just going to copy the person next to them anyway. So you can see tables have all got the same answer. Because they're just looking at each other. <laughs> so you might. So sometimes I don't even do that at all. I may even just do, you know, have a little group discussion. Yeah, um, Alice, do you, did you want to nip in? Yeah, there? just um, and this is maybe that I haven't used certain aspects of Kahoot, um, but yeah, I you know I love the competitive nature. That's really great. But you can't see individual students' answers, can you not? So you don't know. You can, you can, Ooh. you can, um, so the thing is, I don't pay for it because I think paying for, I, I do, I don't agree with paying for it because I think the basic is fine, but you can uh, see where they're going wrong and they can see where they get wrong and they can then practice the questions again. So at the end of the quiz, they say you got X amount, go press practice quiz and then you can go back over the questions again. But can you see that for, for each individual student? Which questions ah, so they got wrong? It depends. The biggest problem is actually if you got logins, fine, but it's more to do with uh, their, whatever name they've put up. That's the biggest problem. So whatever name they have, it's quite hard to find out who's who. Yeah, because it's either they pick their own names or they get like twirly badger and things like yeah. that, don't they? Yeah, so yeah. you have to know your class incredibly well. Which which. Yeah, lots yeah. of Christ we have lots of Cristiano Ronaldo's, so it's quite <laughs> hard to distinguish between the two. I mean, uh, somebody, yeah, no, I agree. my question, my final question to both of you is going to be: if someone doesn't have mini whiteboards, doesn't have pens, doesn't have cahoots, doesn't have any technology or any whiteboards or anything, and perhaps they're teaching right now in a in, a, in an extreme situation in another country and they don't have anything, you know, on them to be able to do anything like that. What, what, what would your advice be? What can they do to try? I mean, we mentioned bits of paper, didn't we? And writing things on bits of paper that can replicate a whiteboard, I suppose. And that can give something, but is there anything you, I mean, is, is, is there anything that can replicate this for people who don't have these luxuries? Yeah. I, in terms of, replicating them exactly i think pens and paper mm. um is the way to go but you know there are other other um afl techniques like we've we've spoken about a few of them and yeah. you know I, i've talked about their limitations um and in in my opinion whiteboards would always be the, the first go-to that would be the best option and then anything else comes second third fourth to them but if if you are if you understand that, then you accept the limitations of, you know, when you're asking them to put one, two, three, four, um, hands um, hands up, or you're showing a concept cartoon, and asking them to pick, 
which explanation best fits the situation that mm. they that will be influenced by by those around them. And I think if you just accept those limitations, mm. um, it still gives you a a general idea of yeah. the place of your class. Like the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. A one that I've used in the d distant past was the red card and white card. Uh, um, red card red and green traffic card. Traffic lights. You know, yeah. Traffic lights and stuff like that. And there's a few. There's a few other things you could use, I guess, as an alternative. Yeah. Uh, Chris, have you got any ideas on this in terms of? I think if you're as a you know for thinking just people who haven't got whiteboards and whiteboard pens and you're thinking should we include them in the classroom. I think the biggest thing to look at is a your budget, and mm -hmm. like you said before, if you're thinking, look, is this just a waste? Are the pens just going to run out? Are we going to have to constantly keep replacing them? You can do it other ways that are cheaper. Mm -hmm. So don't worry too much about if you're worrying about the, you know. I know some primary schools they struggle to get glue sticks, mm -hmm. you know, because that's another thing that just get absolutely wiped. Mm -hmm. And some ways actually glue sticks might be better than pens. You can just use pencils. So don't worry, use a pencil and a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's been absolutely fascinating from both of you. So thanks ever so much for giving up your a, a chunk of your Monday evening to talk about mini whiteboards. I deeply appreciate it. And I hope everybody listening back does too. And everyone who's been listening live, thank you to Mr. Day for all his comments. I've been texting a lot today. So thank you, Mr. Day Matz and, uh, and everyone else who has listened live and also everybody who will undoubtedly listen back to this as a podcast it'll be joe his little doggy at the bus shelter and me probably listening back to my own show so thanks to everybody uh, for getting involved with teachers talk radio we we are heading towards five hundred thousand downloads we're, we're up to four hundred and fifty thousand now we've just passed 450k uh, we are moving towards 500k Thank you to every single person who has downloaded or listened to one of our episodes in the past year. Uh, it's been an amazing journey over a year. And we've got lots and lots of new hosts uh, coming on board soon. Uh, so keep checking our schedule out. Visit ttradio.org and you can listen live or you can listen back to any Teachers Talk Radio show uh, that you so desire. And also on the Listen Back page, there's a helpful little uh thing in the top left where you can search for topics or guests or anything else of interest on that page so you can find exactly what it is that, that you're looking for on that page so to speak and, and hopefully find something that you want to listen to um so it's been a pleasure and uh tomorrow on the uh, on the ttr airwaves we've got lots and lots of shows again as usual uh so check out the schedule check out uh, just click on Listen Live and you can see the upcoming shows that are coming up. We've got a packed schedule for the rest of the week. Uh, keep listening and uh, we will uh, speak to you again very, very soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.